Support Black Podcast. Who is the brown girl? She's an introvert by nature who enjoys the adventures of engaging in extrovert activities. She's sexiest in a vintage t-shirt, old navy jeans, and a pair of chucks. She's complicated, magical, sarcastic, kind of classy, with every bit of dopeness that one wants in a fine lady. She's Erica Butler, and she's the brown girl. Join her for cocktails and conversations on browngirlexperience.com. Take in the Brown Girl Experience. And remember, support Black Podcasts. Welcome to the Me Show Mission. Two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble of Black Tribbles fame. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, hey, this is Vincent Williams of It's All Soul. Ladies and gentlemen, today we are starting our month-long celebration of the gifts that keep on giving. Those celebrated actors whose face turn up in all of your favorite movies and even movies that you really don't even like that much but for some reason they make them tolerable today we are talking about an actor who is definitely a part of some of the best movies of the last 15 20 years perhaps yeah yeah, absolutely movies and television and a man who popped for the first time to the world at large. It wasn't it wasn't his screen debut, but this is where he made his mark in a film that I contend commits the single greatest crime in Hollywood history. We're talking about Don Cheadle in 1995's oh my goodness. Devil in a Blue Dress. What crime does it commit? Starring Denzel Washington, Tom Sizemore, Jennifer Beale, and directed by noted uh, writer-director Carl Franklin, based on Walter Mosley's novel, one of his Easy Rollins novels. What crime does it commit? You shall find out, Vince. I'm amazingly confused right now and befuddled. Sit there in your befuddlement for a little while longer. (laughs) All right. As we first, as always, jump into all of the feedback and responses that we have gotten from everybody via email, via Twitter and Instagram, as well as in our Facebook group, The Me Show Mission, where Robert Monroe Jr. Hey, what's up, Robert? uh, Gave us a look-see at... His new additions to his African-American cinema collection today. Yeah, yeah. One-sheet posters for 1923's Regeneration and 1948's Return of Mandy's Husband. Uh Uh-oh. Now, Regeneration is from the Norman Studios with 
reading from the one sheet, an all-colored cast. All right. Romance in the South Seas, a girl, a man, cast upon an uninhabited island, a garden of Eden, then the serpent. Oh, no. Oh, no, indeed. That's from 1923. All right. Mm. And then from 1948, we have um, Mantan Morland and Florney E. Miller. All right. <laughs> we'll see those names above on any billboards <laughs> in 2018. Yeah, boy. But in 1948, they were uh, leading in the return of Mandy's husband. Okay. Mandy's husband returns and brings plenty of jive, jazz, and hot stuff oh. in the oh. riot comedy of the year. Oh. Featuring I feel like penicillin might clear some of that up. <laughs> Maybe some Robitussin. <laughs> featuring an all-star colored cast with John D. Lee Jr., E. Hensley, McKinley Reeves, and Terry Knight. All right. Wow. Well, I can't wait till we get to them. I can't wait. <laughs> Well, he's got the one sheets. Right, right. Robert, right. if you got the movie, send them over. <laughs> Some tells me they may be hard to find. Maybe a little hard to find. I, I'm just go, going out on a on a limb there. Um, Christopher Goodnight. Hey, what's up, Chris? We spoke about Overlord last week. Yes, yes. Christopher Goodnight says, "Glad someone brought up Overlord. When I saw Bokeem Woodbine, I immediately thought of the previous conversation about him. I'll be honest: the idea of black men in the same troop or even in charge doesn't please me. Doesn't phase me. Excuse me. Doesn't phase me. The thought of segregation didn't even cross my white mind. Well, I wonder why. Well, probably the zombies. <laughs> probably it was probably the zombies. The zombies. They ate the thoughts out of your brain." Yeah. <laughs> What struck me was the fact that a black guy was in the lead and, in fact, survived a horror movie. Usually I would call that a spoiler, but that's what I usually ask anyway about these things. Does the black guy live at the end? As a movie, I really enjoyed it. It felt like a uh, Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Oh, okay. Nice. It's on my list. I'm probably not going to catch it in theaters. Chances are. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's doing like banging right, business. Right, right, right. Exactly. And just logistically, I'm just not going to get to the movies. Yeah, so I, I think you might be spending your New Year's with Overlord on Netflix. <laughs> I'm saving my um, babysitter chips for other things. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Uh, there's a couple of things I want to I want to get to. There's a, a big thing here. Uh, trying to touch on a couple of other people. Oh, uh, Duante Bedingfield. Hey, what's up, Duante? Says that Regina King took home the award for best supporting actress for her work in Barry Jenkins' adaptation if Beale Street could talk. Oh, I I am chomping at the bit for this thing. For yeah, that's a movie that's going to be coming out uh, soon, I believe. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, Regina King. Regina King is an actress. You always speak very highly. I. Uh, I'm so looking forward to this thing. <laughs> really? Are you 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 always sometimes seem like you're like like a like ambivalent about like some some black films. I mean, not the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> Like, if I'm ambivalent, it's usually not that good. 
For those who don't know, If Bill Street Could Talk, which opens on December 14th. Yes. Uh, talks about Harlem in the early 70s, where daughter and wife-to-be Tish vividly recalls the passion, respect, and trust that have connected her and her artist fiance Alonzo Hunt, who goes by the name Fonny, friends since childhood, the devoted couple dream of a future together, but their plans are derailed when Fonny is arrested for a crime that he did not commit. And it's based on the James Baldwin novel. Yes. Which is a good book. Uh, it, like I said, I'm very much looking Directed by Barry Jenkins. And oh, one of our favorites. Features Re- Re- Regina King, Dave Franco, um, and uh, Stephen James in the uh, titular, uh, well, in the uh, role of Fani. Uh, yeah, that really looks uh, pretty, pretty dope. I'm, I'm looking forward to that yeah. movie. Oh, yeah. Also, you know, they talked about Regina King, but uh, Regina Hall. Yes. Another favorite. Very, uh, became. Like the Reginas. The first black woman to win Best Actress at the New York um, Film uh, Critics Circle. Does it say what she won for? Let's see. She picked up the award for her role in the Magnolia Pictures comedy Support the Girls. Yes. Also wanted to see it, and it was in and out of the theaters. Yeah, that really came came and went. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that one had a because um, I remember seeing the ads for it, and I don't even mean commercials. I don't remember seeing any commercials. Right, right. I saw a trailer on like one of the trailer websites. I saw I saw a one sheet on the wall at a movie theater. Yeah, and that's the only thing. But she she uh, the New York Film Critics Circle, the first time in their eighty three year history that they awarded best actress to a black woman. Well, I heard it was good. Yeah, she's supposed to be very good in it. So, well, here's the Congratulations thing. Congratulations. You talked about to the, the Reginas. We talked about the Reginas. Here's the thing: Regina King and Regina Hall. It it, it and it fits right in with this uh, with our month of the gifts that keep on giving. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I think it. Um, I think their careers are such that I don't know if you can call them character actors which is kind of like what we're trying to like maybe lean more on the side right, of right 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 but um but you know i mean certainly they're not always the lead but i don't know if you necessarily see them as character actors but what i was going to say is that the one thing why they fit in with what we're talking about is because no matter the project that they are in they individually never disappoint never Never, never, never disappoint. And and I think it's worth noting that one hundred percent of the reason that they're not the leads as often as they should be is just because of Hollywood racism that and is. the way that the films work. Yeah, like they absolutely should be the leads pretty much all the time, and just you know by dint of the fact that they're black women, the roles just aren't there. Right. So, but shout out to Regina Hall because you could say she basically was like a a co-lead in Girl Trip. Yes. And now she um winning accolades in lead in uh, Support the Girls. Yes. So, and and Regina King who uh criminally doesn't lead a lot of movies. Yeah. But has definitely made her mark. 
on television. Yeah. In more yeah. than a few uh, projects, even even when the projects don't go as long as we, as I'm sure she would hope. Yeah. She's always killing it. I I, I love the two of them. Oh yeah, absolutely. Love them both. But. So congratulations once again. Congratulations, Regina's. There you go. Well deserved accolades for you. Um, Markham Lee had a couple of posts as Markham Lee is wont to do. What's up, Markham? Because that is what he does. He is a uh, he's a poster. But he posted one. Uh, oh, wait a minute before we before we, uh, before we go there. There was an uh, oh, here it is. He is he had a couple of ideas binge lounge topics that he wanted to run by you. Okay. So how do you feel about this one, Vince? All right. One, talking about the culture of black creators producing content, often viral, on Vine, uh, Instagram, or YouTube. Over the last five years or so, some of the funniest things that I have seen have been Vines or, or Instagram videos, definitely funnier than anything on SNL. Right. So, I mean, that's that's... I mean, you could have a binge line about it, but that's more than you're just riffing on stuff that you saw. Right, right, so it right. really make up much of a good something to listen yeah. to. Well, you know, I, I will say that I think there is something to be said for, and, and appropriately enough, as I was just talking about, like this sort of institutional racism of Hollywood, mm -hmm. where you get, you, you have all of these creators who are now bypassing it yeah. and making their own content. And the one that comes to mind immediately for me is Issa Rae. Yeah, that's who, how it started. Who, you know, The Adventures of the Awkward Black Girl, mm -hmm. which was a, an internet phenomenon. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I was a huge fan of that. And I'm not really that guy. Like, I'm not really that guy, like, watching internet shows and web series and things. But... I devoured the adventures of the awkward black girl. And I watched a couple other things on that network. Like there was a network of, of web create of black creators. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I think much like you, I don't know how much of a binge lounge we could do, mm -hmm. but, but I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I fully support it. I am too. Uh, I do think at least, to the eyes that I see, because I don't see everything that goes viral. Because I'm definitely even, even steeped in, you know, the mist of pop culture that the Black Tribbles tend tend to be. Right. I don't catch everything because I'm just not that email guy. But right, that right, right. Internet type of guy. Right. There's there's six of us for a reason. I'm right. not that one. Right. That's not right. <laughs> you know. Um. The um. But the stuff that does catch me. While there are many things that are crazy funny, they're crazy mm -hmm. enjoyable, I do find that a lot of them, at least the ones that I see more than often than not, are going for the quick laugh. Right. Which is fun yeah. and it's enjoyable, but it's not necessarily a sign of, you know, some some latent talent that is that is out there. You know what I well, mean? Well, I think that's, I mean, frankly, for most things. Like for the vast majority of things, mm -hmm. most of it is disposable, and then there's that you know that percentage where you go, oh okay, and the one thing that is admirable but also leads to what you're talking about 
is that there is no filter. There are no gatekeepers. Right. Like, it's completely democratic. Right. And what that means is, yeah, you're going to get somebody setting up a, a, an Android phone in their mama's basement mm-hmm. doing something. But right. Again, you, you you also get all of these these filmmakers and these musicians and these these creators that never would have gotten to us if they had to go the traditional route. That's true. So, Markham's other suggestion for a binge lounge topic: have Vince. Oh, okay. All right, just me. All right, just talk for an hour. <laughs> on, I do that every week. 80s R&B. Oh, my God. We've gotten a taste of it in the beginning of various episodes, but we haven't gotten the full thing. Oh, I figure all Len has to do is make sure Vince is hydrated, (laughs) his mic is on, and then say something like, remember that group, The System? Was that cheesy? Oh, yeah. Don't disturb this groove. Oh, yeah. I like The System. Because it was like a black guy who kind of looked like Michael Jackson. And then it was like that middle-aged white guy who was like your your 11th grade chemistry teacher. <laughs> he was on keyboards. And that was the system. Yes. Like that was the whole band. Yes. And they had Don't Disturb This Groove. And they had another song. You are in my system. Ah, I just want you to know that yeah. you, you are... I used to love the the system. They only had two songs though, and I, that's why I and liked they them. were great songs. They were great songs. Yeah, interesting. I continue. <laughs> Len would say something like, "Remember that group, the System?" Yes, like you just did. Dot dot dot. And Vince will just take it from there. Uh, I think I just finished. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're welcome, Markham. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to cut that out do the binge it's like a five minute binge lounge oh <laughs> uh, and you know what <laughs> podglomerate will find a way to stick six act oh, hey, easy <laughs> just, just keeping it real <laughs> just keeping it real uh, let's see Markham also posted in response to to the comment on the most recent podcast about there being black soldiers in Overlord and revisionist history because there weren't any, methinks the 761st, a.k.a. Black Panthers Tank Battalion, yes, yeah. they were called the Black Panthers, would disagree. Patton, that's George Patton. That's right. Um, requested them to join the 3rd... Second Army, and they marched right into Germany, were there at the end of the war, and were one of the most effective units of World War II. During the Battle of the Bulge, Patton was able to counter Germans disguising themselves as Americans by having members of the 761st guard key spots with orders to shoot all suspicious white people on sight. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's quite the broad set of orders. None of them got in trouble. A white officer promised to deal with the racist white soldiers giving them trouble. That's uh, that's, that's interesting. Actually, this continues on. I I didn't know Jackie Robinson was a member of the unit. Oh, okay. Until there was a a court martial attempt. Right, 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 right. 
Uh, I love the missionaries. They are chock full of information. They are definitely chock full of information. Markham continues, basically there were a lot of people of color fighting in Europe during World War II than contemporary histories and fictions depict. Uh, For example, the French army had, per some reports, as many as 200,000 Arab, Asian, and African troops during Dunkirk. Unfortunately, they couldn't hide among the locals after the war, so even though some may deny it, the evidence is hard to miss because mass graves. Mm. Oh, man, that's, that's, that's crazy. The massive Caribbean immigration to England after World War II Mostly World War II veterans and their families. I wish they would make a World War II movie about that, especially on the British side, since many were denied pensions and other post-war benefits. Either way, the idea that a group of soldiers, including a few black soldiers, along with some white ones, would find themselves cut off from the rest due to some crazy-ish in Germany, it's not really far-fetched. The ish being zombies, sure, but the rest... Not so much. All right. And now you know the rest of the story. And knowing is half the battle. The other half is blue and red lasers. Oh, you know what? (laughs) I wasn't even going to bring this up. (laughs) Speaking of blue and red lasers in G.I. Joe. You mentioning that brings to mind that uh, this weekend... I don't know what me and my friend were thinking. We just were, we were doing some work and we just sat down, turned on the TV and just started watching television. And on television was a James Bond marathon. Nice. Wait, I guess it depends on what Bond it was. Moonraker. Oh, not so nice. Have you seen Moonraker? Yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. Moonraker? You know, I contend Moonraker is the worst James Bond film. It certainly is the stupidest. <laughs> Here's the thing. I watched the movie, right? And it's stupid. And, and Moonraker, for those who don't know, is from 1978, I believe. Um, James Bond basically is going after some, you know, world supervillain who has created a fleet of space shuttles. <laughs> uh, Folks, don't get pulled in. It is nowhere near as awesome as it sounds. No, it is not. Um, and the and he it, with these space shuttles, he has. He, this evil genius has gathered to him the world's most perfect human beings because he wants to take them, I think, to the moon or someplace else or some satellite. Yeah, he's supposed to take them to some satellite uh, because he's going to destroy the Earth and use the world's most perfect people to repopulate the Earth. It's dumb, right? However, this movie, which came out at the height of Star Wars, which yeah, is the whole reason why they did it. yeah. So that's why you got the space shuttles. That's why you got James Bond now fighting in space. Fighting in space. That's why in space you have James Bond with a laser gun. Yes. Everyone knows and any James Bond movie, you know like yo, he he he's running the show, but the British always come to save him with their army. Right. Well, they're in space. Yes. So that means that it must be space marines. Space British. Come to, come to save him. Not space marines because that's something completely different. That's from aliens and that's awesome. Well, these look like space marines to me. Right. Why? Because they they disembark from a from a from their own 
uh, space shuttle. Okay. There's like about 12 space shuttles in this movie. Right. In 1978, we had one. Right, right. I mean, that hadn't blasted off yet. Hey, it's a movie. And so again, they, folks, don't be fooled. This is not as awesome as it sounds. And they've got space shuttles like rocketing off the back of planes and all this other stuff. But anyway, the, the, the space marines disembark from the space shuttle mm-hmm. with their with their individual jet packs. Yes. And in space around the satellite, yes. the space marines have a laser battle. Remember, not as awesome as it, because it sounds awesome, it isn't. With the bad guys. Yes. In sp- I mean, you know, Star Wars, it's TIE fighters flying yeah, around. Yeah. No, this is guys. Right, with jetpacks. With jetpacks in space fight. and laser, and, and the, and the, and the lasers aren't on the jetpacks. The lasers are in their guns. Yes. yes. So they're shooting lasers. Shooting lasers. One, one you know you're making the sound awesome, though. Okay. Maybe I am. But it, it's not. It's not. It really isn't. Okay. But here's the thing. Oh, now here's the thing. Because I watched this, and yes, I'm watching it and it's stupid, but but when you're in the midst of bone tired after like doing a whole bunch of labor, which is what I was doing on Saturday... Yeah. And you got some burgers and drinks. Yeah. It's stupid fun. Right. Absolutely. So I'll give it that, right? So much fun that it made me want to think, was this really as bad as I, want, I thought it was? So I listened to a review podcast of Moonraker. Yes. Where they pointed out something that I hadn't even done on me. In 1978, James Bond is fighting with lasers. Yes. They're space marines fighting with hand lasers. Yes. Hand lasers. Yes. The size of like a, a 357 Magnum. Yes. So why don't you see the lasers in the rest of the James Bond movies? So now you're looking for continuity? <laughs> That's the part that bothers you? The lack of continuity between the James Bond movies? Yes. I, it was a good point. I thought it was a good point. Yes. They, it, they introduced lasers. I don't know how good of a to point this world, that is. And, yes. and it, it, it no. actually was a good point that no. you don't see them again. Yeah. In uh, in um, for your eyes only, which for is the movie that follows up. Yes. Uh, Moonraker, and because I sat there and watched that one too. Damn. I watched the Spy Who Loved Me. Oh, Moon- Spy Who Loves Me is not bad. Spy Who Loves Me is not bad. Yeah. Especially because it's got good music. Right. 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 But like Moon Raker and 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 for your eyes only, <laughs> like you might as well have just watched Octopussy and then be, been done with it. Well, then we turn to the game. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the Spy Who Loved Me isn't bad. The Spy Who Loved Me. Yeah, it's not bad. As far as Roger Moore James yeah. Bond movies go. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. But yeah. All right. Okay. There's enough of that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Let's talk about the system some more. <laughs> Don't disturb ah. the screw. Why didn't they have more hits? Listen to that beat. Oh, the bass line is nasty. When it feels so real. Don't disturb the screw. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now I want their album. I wonder what the album's like. Because you know they had an album. I mean, I'm sure they had an album. I wonder if the album is nice. Here's something. Could the album really be nice? So, I was listening to something. You know Rick James and Prince, of course, had a rivalry. Because Prince opened for Rick James. Yes. And then they, you know, had a falling out on tour. And then they had this rivalry. So that, you know, Rick James actually came up with the girl group concept first. But then Prince 
brought out Vanity Six before Rick James brought out the Mary Jane Girls. Ah. Here's what I did not know. And I did know that. When Prince brought out the time, did you remember that Rick James had an answer to the time called Process in the Do-Rags? Whoa. <laughs> no. I was, Neither did I. I've never heard of Process. Process in the Do-Rags. They had a song and a video. I just wanted to say that out loud because I just found this out like three days ago. What was the song? I forget the name of the song. It was something about, you know, trust the process or here's the pro. Like it was something that incorporated. When it feels so real, trust the process. <laughs> anyway, everybody go listen to this. Are you serious? Process and do rags? Process and the do rags. So it's a, so it a man named Process. It was, and then the do rags. And they, and they all look like. Basically, Jerome. Like they all look like Jerome. Jerome. See, I, I could, I could buy it if they all look like Morris. Well, you know, because then you have the do rag. T- right, right. Well, they all had do rag. They all had well, well, process. Mar- well, Morris Day. Yeah, had the had the process. Right. But Jerome just had just a right. A he just cut. Well, well, they all had processes, but they look more like Jerome than Morris. As successful as the time. Or the system. <laughs> or the system. <laughs> Someone did dis- disturb their groove. <laughs> However, the Mary Jane girls, I would say they were more successful than the Vanity. Absolutely. Yeah. And Apollonia 6. Yes. And Vanity and Apollonia 6 combined. And Vanity and Apollonia 6 combined. <laughs> now let's get to Now it. let's get to the movie. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. for the company of Negroes. He thought he knew how to play the game. And he all seen a white girl by the name of Dahlia, Delilah, something like that. Her name is Daphne. You can't get none of that tonight. You know? Until he stepped into a world 
Why don't you tell me about your friend, Dad? Tell a woman ain't good enough for you no more, honey. Where there are no rules. Why are you arresting me? How much time did you leave Greta James' house this morning? What is going on? She's not going to be waking up, Ezekiel. He's looking for a woman no one wants found. Was there anyone with you? A young lady named Daphne Monet, perhaps? The incumbent mayor, the chief of police, close personal friends of mine. Then they can help us find her. No, they can't. And getting in deeper than he ever expected. Uh-huh. This is Daphne Monet. You're looking for me. I don't know if I should think of you as a friend or as a private dick. Surrounded by lies. You can't trust me, Mr. Rollins. I am the next mayor, and luckily for you, a friend of the Negro. Seduced by power. Unless I give the cops a killer by tomorrow morning, I'm going to jail. Easy Rollins is searching. Not very smart talking about Mr. Carter's business. There's too much going on for me to give a damn about what you think is smart. For the truth. Who killed her? I don't know. Don't lie to me! Start up my car, keep it hot, I'm coming out fast. Let's go! Get her. No! Don't shoot it. We going to the pool. Yeah, why don't you scream, huh? From the Academy Award-winning producers of Philadelphia and The Silence of the Lambs, Academy Award winner Denzel Washington, Devil in a Blue Dress, a Carl Franklin film. Devil in a Blue Dress, a 1995 American neo-noir mystery film directed by Carl Franklin, based on Walter Mosley's novel of the same name and featuring Denzel Washington, Tom Sizemore, Jennifer Beals, and Don Cheadle. In 1948 Los Angeles, Ezekiel Easy Rollins is a World War II veteran who has been unfairly laid off from an aircraft manufacturer, Champion Aircraft. He becomes a private investigator to pay the mortgage despite having no training and is drawn into a web of intrigue and uh, mystery by the denizens of South Los Angeles. This film, which features a screenplay also written by Carl Franklin and also um, starring Maury Chaikin and featured, featuring music by Elmer Bernstein was a selection of Vince's in this month of gifts that keep giving as he highlights Don Cheadle in his breakout performance as Mouse in Devil in the Blue Dress amongst all the other Things that there are to um, go on about in this dark crime drama. Vince, what say you of Devil in a Blue Dress? I love this movie. I, I, I absolutely love this film. This is, this is a film that is filled with elements that, that I think are, are worthy of celebration. Starting with Carl Franklin, I, I like Carl Franklin a lot, and I think the only reason I don't love Carl Franklin is because he hasn't made as many films that I like. Mm. To but you know, you know, like like the the two that I go to immediately when I think of Carl Franklin is is of course this film, Devil in a Blue Dress, but then a few years before this, he made a film 
called uh, One False Move, mm-hmm. which is Billy one, Bob Thornton, right? Billy Bob Thornton, um, Cinda Williams, and oh, I just forgot his name. I'm looking right at him. He was on ER forever. He played Miles in Soul Food, the movie. Oh, uh, bu- 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 Michael Beach. Michael Beach. And and for my money, there are two great kind of neo-noir or southern noir films from this time period that, that really kind of pulled me in. One was Blood Simple, mm. the Coen Brothers' first film, and the other one was One False Move. And I think One False Move is better than Blood Simple, which is not something I say lightly because I think Blood Simple is damn near perfect. Mm-hmm. So I'm a big Carl Franklin fan. I'm a big fan of this story. Like, like I love, you know, I love the Easy Rollins books. I, I love Walter Mosley. I love this. Have you read like a, a good I have. bit of them? Yeah, I have. I've, I've read probably the first five first four or five easy Rollins novels. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I like his short stories. Like I like Walter Mosley and I like this character a lot. Easy Rollins, who is in a lot of ways, almost a reluctant detective. Mm -hmm. You, You know, when you think about the noir tradition, a lot of times they start out as PIs, you know, oftentimes they're down on their luck and, you know, they're kind of threadbare, but they are PIs. I love the fact that Easy Rollins sort of is backed into this profession because he can't find a job. And I think the film does a great a, a great job conveying that information, mm-hmm. how he sort of gets backed into this. I love the fact that this character's motivation is is basically the American dream. Like he just wants to own his house. He wants to be a part of this neighborhood, and and the film does a great job centering that. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that one of the aspects of noir and and frankly a lot of older films that you know in in a lot of ways leave me cold the older I get is the way they either ignore race or or race is is set to the side and and i think the way race is integrated into this plot really adds <laughs> color to it <laughs> and it makes the you know it it makes it fresh mm-hmm. you know you've got a a, a a femme fatale you you know you've got this mysterious past you've got all of this stuff but with this interjection of race it turns it into something new I think Carl Franklin's direction is fantastic. Uh, the, the the opening shot, which is you know like a tracking shot that cuts across the, this this Los Angeles landscape mm-hmm. into a window until you finally see Easy Rollins. Mm-hmm. A, it's so well done. B, the the production values yep. on yep. this film are amazing. It's time travel. To the point, I was not sure if they were showing documentary footage at first. At that beginning. In yeah. the beginning. Yeah. Because everything looks so real. Yeah. And so precise. Throughout the film, his his establishment of place, mm-hmm. his establishment of time, is I think this is the 
best example of it we've seen since we've started this. Mm -hmm. I think he does it better than Malcolm X. Yeah. Like, I think this is more of a sense of place um, than they have in Malcolm X. A truer, more, more, more it's truer, authentic. more authentic. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The acting across the board. We were talking a few weeks ago about our favorite Denzel Washington performances. Mm hmm. I'm not going to say this is my favorite Denzel Washington performance, but it's in my top three. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a film that is very much an exhibit of why Denzel Washington has become the iconic actor that he is. He is his humanity, his, his style, his grace. Mm -hmm. Everything is, is it, it's firing on all cylinders yep. in this film. The women don't have a lot to do, and it's a little frustrating, but I like the bits you see of them. Yeah. I like um I like Jennifer Beale. There's one thing about Jennifer Beale that I don't like a lot that we'll talk about. Okay. Lisa Nicole Carson. Ugh. Oh Lord, I love some Lisa Nicole Carson. She's not in here enough. But a little goes a long but way. A, but a little goes a long way. And even after her character is gone, you learn these tidbits about her where she was this complex human being. Yep. You know, um, there are supporting actors in here. Just just a couple of people off the off the top of my head. Uh Terry Kenny as 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 uh Todd Carter. Yep. Who you know, many of us know him from Oz. Uh, Maury Chaikin, as you said, Matthew Terrell is fantastic. There is just a run of black supporting actors mm -hmm. in this thing. Albert Hall, David Fontino, uh, L. Scott uh, Caldwell, Joseph Lattimore, like just all of these great actors that you see. Jernard uh, Burks. Mm -hmm. If we weren't here to talk about Don Cheadle, I would spend the whole hour talking about Tom Sizemore. Yeah. Tom Sizemore is amazing in this film. Yeah. He is charismatic. He is unsettling. He is, is scary. Mm -hmm. And what you don't realize, just to kind of swing back to Carl Franklin's direction and this great screenplay, he's not in the film a whole lot. No. But the three or four, like like maybe, maybe four scenes. Maybe he he he's a monster. Mm -hmm. But we are here to talk about Don Cheadle, Mouse. My favorite anecdote about this film, and I've heard both Don Cheadle and Denzel Washington tell this story. The script was offered to. Denzel Washington and he was offered the lead and then you know you're an actor and you're thinking I should take the lead because I'm an actor and, and you know you want to take the lead and Denzel Washington said very quickly that when he read the script he realized he had made a mistake and that mouse was the role mm -hmm. and while I suspect Denzel Washington would have done a fine job as mouse just because you know he's Denzel Washington Don Cheadle was born to play this role. Yeah. This is one of my favorite characters in film history. Mouse Alexander is much like Tom Sizemore's character. And the funny thing is they, they actually lampshade that. Mm 
yeah. in the very beginning, where Easy says that Tom Sizemore's character reminds him of Mouse. Yep. Mouse is effortlessly charismatic. He is funny, but there is not one moment from the second that he appears on screen, an hour into the film, by the way, mm-hmm. and he pulls a gun out that you don't realize that Mouse is the deadliest man everywhere and everyone reacts to him like that and he acts like this and and Don Cheadle completely inhabits this role. Yeah, he does, man. And and you know one of the reasons that I love Don Cheadle is that he is an actor that when he is on screen you can't take your eyes off of him because you're always wondering what is he doing over there? Mhm. And this is Mouse. And there are there are actors like this. And these are my favorite kinds of actors. Like these actors that, you know, it's a scene and, you know, it's three or four people. But you're always, well, what is he doing over there? Mm-hmm. And that is Don Cheadle. And, and he is magnificent in this film and in this role. And as you said, this was not his first role. But this is certainly the role where many people start to pay attention to him. And if I have to point to something, this is what I point to. Yeah, yeah. Like Don Cheeto is is a monster with ten feet wide shoulders when he comes onto the screen in this movie. Um, he just a movie that, like you said, he doesn't come up come into like about an hour they yeah. kind of like hinting at him you know uh but you don't actually see him for about an hour 45 minutes to an hour into the movie uh and you're anticipating it but you don't miss him because it is still a good movie mm-hmm. it's still a crackling story that is being told. And it's still Denzel Washington being Denzel, you know, pulling you along in this film. Uh, but once Don Cheadle does come onto the sc- screen, then it's like, it's like, okay, I want to be in the, I'm, I'm on for the ride with mouse, you know, like, like mouse is, if mouse is with easy. Oh yeah. It's about, it's about stuff about to get done. About to get some furniture moving in this joint, right? And it's, sure enough, some furniture gets moving. Um, and you're right. I I find it it's hard it's hard to see Denzel in this role, having seen Don Cheadle in this role. Mm-hmm. Like because now once Don Cheadle is in this role, you can't see anybody else in it. You you literally cannot. If you if you put a somebody that's too much of a comedian, then you're not really you're not getting the menace. If you put in somebody that doesn't have as much charisma, then you're only just getting all menace and none of the charm of Mouse. You're not you're also not getting any of the not truly spoken, but the history between the two. Mm. There is very little. There's there's like hints about something that may have happened back in Houston where they all came from uh, um, it, that happened between the two of them. But you never get the full story. And you don't even care mm-hmm. about the full story because the history is all in how they relate to one another. Not even talking about it. It's just in that... Easy knows, 
uh, you know, it's about to hit the fan. <laughs> I got to make a call. Send your husband. Mouse comes, boom, suitcase in tow. What up? Mm. It don't even have to fill me in. Like, I'm here. Where are we going? You know, that's that's it. You know, uh, it, he's definitely definitely a brother out for a buck. Because as he says, like, easy, you call me anytime. <laughs> <laughs> you know how to put a, put money in a, in a brother pocket. That's bro. what he said. <laughs> you know, $7,000. Oh. oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my, oh my God. God. Oh. Oh, my God. <laughs> if you ain't what I'm dead, why are you leaving with me? <laughs> My favorite line in the whole movie. Oh my god! <laughs> so Don Cheeto is—he's—he's just a boss. He's just a master. But here's the—but here's the other thing about this movie, and I'm glad you mentioned Tom Sizemore. And I'm glad you mentioned Lisa Nicole Carson. Denzel Washington—you know—it goes without being said. One of the greatest actors of of our time, mm-hmm. right? And in this movie, he is everything you sense the honor of easy rollins but you also sense the ambiguous morals of easy rollins right Mm -hmm. because this is at the end of the day a dude that is all about his friends all about the camaraderie in the neighborhood and everything like that he's all about his pride he doesn't feel like he should have lost that he feels like he lost his job unjustly Mm -hmm. you're not told why he lost his job but you're getting the sense from him that if if he says it was unjust, must have been unjust, right? Because Easy Rollins, he don't he don't look like a brother that is going to be doing but so much foolishness, right? You know what I mean? Um, they point out how he's one of the few brothers in the in the area that owns his own house. That's right. You know, everybody else is like on a probably renting or on some BSGI bill or whatever. He owns his own house. He is making his own way, and that means a lot to him. You know what I mean? He's a very independent man. You know, he comes home. You know, there's something about just coming home, driving up in my driveway. Yeah. Opening up my door, you know. Um, and I and I really appreciated that because very often when you hear, especially in those bygone days of the late 40s and 50s in movies or even when Hollywood does period pieces back to those times and they celebrate the American dream it usually is in some suburb or it usually is in a more urban setting but it's certainly less often in South Central Los Angeles at Mm -hmm. that time so to see South Central Los Angeles which most of the time when it's in the movies is all about the gangs you know of the 80s and 90s to see that neighborhood you know celebrated as just this this denizen of families and friendship and camaraderie uh that you see on those streets kids just playing in the streets everybody knows each other you know playful banter back and forth i just thought it was just beautiful and he loved being a part of that but the ambiguity is there in that his bull Got a little bit too too drunk, oh. and uh, Lisa Nicole Carson like you know checked him a little bit. Are oh, you too good for color oh. girls? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Let me show you something. Oh. Let me show you something. Now he, 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 oh. he ain't do nothing that most brothers wouldn't have done. Oh, <laughs> um, oh Lord, at least oh Lord, have so, Lisa Nicole Carson in nineteen ninety five. So so he is he is the linchpin for the. the perfect linchpin for this movie so when things get a little crazy you feel like he he's got the 
he's got the backbone to handle it, but when he needs to be like a little bit more morally cent- central, uh, um, centralized, he can handle that as well. But Tom Sizemore in about four scenes, like you said, mm-hmm. Lisa Nicole Carson really in the first 15, 20 minutes of the movie, if that many, right? Yeah. But they they both give such resonant performances that their aura is on the rest of the film. Mm-hmm. Every time you hear Tom Sizemore's character even mentioned, you just see his wide shoulders and his and his evil little smirk and sneer. You know what I mean? You, even when it's not there, Lisa Nicole Carson's character after it is after is she is uh, killed off screen, mind you, so you yeah. don't even see it. But she makes such an indelible mark on the on the film, on Easy, and on us that even though you don't see her murder, you feel it. You're like, mm-hmm. whoa. And seeing how it affects everyone around her, from her friend Jennifer Beale to her to the guy who she was dating, the big the big, big guy Dupree. Yeah. Um seeing how it affects all of them, you feel it. So much so that there was actually the scene where Denzel, um, Easy, and Mouse go to see Dupree. Yeah. And they go to, and like Dupree says, like, you know, you want some, you got some, I think it was oxtails. Oh, it was pigtails. Pigtails, pigtails. It was some pigtails. And so, you know, uh, Mouse beats, beats a beeline into the house. And Dupree and Easy have a moment there at the door where Easy just says, you know, like, you know, I'm sorry about what happened. And he doesn't even say who. He just says, you know, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Mind you, this moment is probably a good 40 minutes after we've already known she's dead. Yeah. Because Dupree was already was always in jail. Yet that little moment there, just that little moment at the door, you felt the mark that she left on these two men. Mm-hmm. As well as their their kinship with one another through her. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was just a, a just a brilliant, nice little subtle touch of acting mm-hmm. and writing mm-hmm. um, and directing in the way that that, yeah. that little moment was handled. It spoke so much of the story, the script, the actors, and the directing in this movie. It was just so spot on. So while we could celebrate Don Cheadle, there's so you could celebrate Lisa Nicole Carson um and and Tom Sizemore, both of whom to a degree, especially Tom Sizemore, who are a little bit tragic tales in Hollywood. Yeah. Tom Sizemore would go on to have a, a a huge, you know, substance abuse problem and yeah. some other legal issues yeah. with with his career. And Lisa Nicole Carson has had health issues. She's had health she's had health issues which I which you know, which I known of over the years. Mm-hmm. But I cannot tell you how much it 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 made me smile with joy when I saw Lisa Nicole Carson turn up in the new edition. I know, right? In the new edition uh, miniseries, that was fantastic. Uh, just seeing her, just seeing her, that was enough for me. Yeah, that was enough. Yeah. I was like, oh, I, I'm good. And, you Lisa know, Nicole Carson. She wasn't even doing much. But she was doing stuff. Yeah. She was doing stuff in there. You know, you like you said, she's one of them chicks that's doing stuff like in the background. You're like, what's she doing? I see what you're doing, girl. I said, all right, you still got it. You still got it. You're going to tell me the crime. Here's the crime. Okay. 
here is the single greatest crime in Hollywood history that this film, 1995 Devil in a Blue Dress, commits. Okay. There's no sequel. <laughs> well, you know, you know the story. You know the story. Walter Mosley used to tell this story all the time. He said that this is the exact second right, right, with where he could afford Denzel. They could, the studio could afford Denzel and Don Cheadle. Right, right. Like, apparently, 15 minutes after it wrapped, both of them, their, their price tags doubled. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and the movie, while it wasn't success, it wasn't like and, the, the and big that's, success. And that's what Walter Mosley said. Like, right. it didn't make enough money to justify it, and, and you, they just couldn't afford them. I don't care. Yeah. I, 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 I don't care. The crime is that we do not get more Denzel Washington as Easy Rollins. Well, here, here's, here's the crazy thing. Like reading about it, because like I said, I read maybe the maybe the f- first four, and then I just you know just got distracted. But you know he kept making their adventures and covered like twenty thirty years. Like I saw maybe the last one took place in the seventies. Oh, you are talking about Walter Mosley? Walter Mosley no, kept yeah, writing yeah, I know. books. Yes, I know. I would like to see an adaptation of one of the ones set in the seventies. And just use Denzel Washington and Don Cheadle again. Yeah, because that, that playing the characters older. Or this is my we talked about this. My dream for years. For years, I had a dream of Jeffrey Wright and Most Deaf playing these characters. Which is which? It doesn't matter. That's the great thing about them. Either one of them could play either character. Mm, no, I don't see that. Who don't you see playing which character? I guess Jeffrey Wright could very much play both. Jeffrey Wright could play both. I don't think I I don't think most deaf could do mouse justice. Not saying that he has oh, to I be I think he could do Not mouse. saying that he, he has to be Don Cheadle. Right. But Don Cheadle is so, so like 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 so astounding as yeah. mouse that Anyone that would try to take on that character character is going to be compared, compared to, to him. Don Cheadle, yeah. And I don't see most deaf, and I could be wrong because he's he's a, he's a fairly good actor. Yeah, I like most deaf a lot. But I see, I don't see him creating a character that would compare favorably to Don, Don Cheadle's Jeffrey Wright. I could, right? I just don't. But now. That being said, I think most deaf could pull off Easy Rollins. Okay. At this at this juncture, at this age, right. I think he could pull off Easy Rollins. The bad thing is, what I really want is is a Netflix or an Amazon Prime show. Yeah. With the week with the weekly adventures of because the other thing, going back to this sense of 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 place, mm-hmm. this world is so fully realized. That part of the reason that you want a sequel is that you know this world is still here. It is. Like, this world is is still here. There are still mysteries to be solved. There is still money to be made. And and it's 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 it really is just a triumph 
from beginning to end. There is one part that has always bothered me about this film, however. What's that? I think Jennifer Beals is miscast. Because not for one moment do I buy that not one black person in this film figured out that she was black. Jennifer Beals could be Lisa Bonace. Jennifer Beals is darker than Meghan Markle. Mm. And every scene that Jennifer Beals is in this film with other black people, Mm -hmm. it just looks like a room full of black people. Yeah, but that's why she didn't frequent around black people. No, 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 no. I'm not saying I don't understand why why the mayor didn't know she was black or in or you know, um her boyfriend didn't know she was black. But they established that Easy Rollins is this I mean, he's a natural detective. Mm-hmm. He's a natural PI. Mm-hmm. Um at least Nicole Carson's character knows. Yeah. Core, which you know, I will say it frustrated me that I didn't get more of their story. Their friendship. Their friendship. Mm -hmm. I've just never bought that Jennifer Beals was fooling people. I do. Yeah. I do. Because she, one, she wasn't, like I said, she wasn't hanging around black people. No, no, no. I'm sorry. So she was fooling black people. Well, I don't, but I don't think she was trying to fool black people. Well, well, Easy was like, (gasps) gasp. Well, I mean. When she said, he's my brother. Spoiler, y'all that didn't. Watch it, and it's a weird spoiler because it's like, how's Jennifer Beals playing someone? But go ahead. Well, okay, but here's the thing: is the gasp that, oh my God, you've got a black, you've got a black brother? Well, I guess maybe there is a part of that also, but I think that is also that is more of a gasp for him because he just assumed that they were lovers. That, that they were lovers. Okay. So then to find out they're brothers, like, oh, I just thought maybe because so, maybe I'm looking at you. And you look like you're a darker white woman. Right. You know what I mean? Because everyone's told me that you're a white woman. Right. So I have no reason to. to yeah. I mean, let's, I mean, look, let's look at it this way. While she may have a a darker complexion, I don't know whether or not she's darker than, than Meghan Markle or, or, or what have you. Her features, you know, could be confused as, you know. A white person certainly come off as a little bit ambivalent. Right, you're not sure. So if you're told that she's a white person, you you, you roll with it. And in the book, they she actually has blonde hair. Oh, like wow. the book, she's actually blonde hair, and so that was the other thing. I, but it's a small thing. Yeah, that's a very it's small. a very small thing, and it just sort of bothered me. It's like get out of here. I what I like is that as much as this movie and I think you kind of mentioned this in the beginning, as much as this movie is about race, it's not about race. It doesn't hit you over the head. It's like it. race. It's the MacGuffin. It's it not even, I mean, it's the MacGuffin. It's almost like, it's almost like it's LA. So, you know, it's hot. Mm-hmm. So nobody's wearing a coat, but they don't talk about it's hot. Right. You just know it's LA. Yeah. Like race is always there. Mm-hmm. But like you said, like everything about it, it informs everything. Yeah. Like, like, I, you know, there's a scene where a woman is angry at her boyfriend, a white woman is angry at her boyfriend and comes up and, and strikes up a conversation with easy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's, it's a very understated scene as far as, you know, talking about, it. but you watch the danger unfold. Right. You watch this thing start to get out of control mm-hmm. just because he's black. Yeah. 
the whole re- the whole relationship between Easy and the police mm-hmm. is informed by his blackness. Yeah, and you're right; it's not about race, but everything in it is is races involved. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so including including the end when Jennifer Beals' character has a little bit of a yeah reality check. Yeah, which you know, I had a hard time buying that she was so surprised by that. Like a woman who has left Louisiana in 1948 to come and pass, she, like you, really, you, you you're surprised by this turn of events. But you know, it's yeah. an itty bitty thing. That's a very it's a small thing, and it's typical of the best film noir films, which yes. at its heart is what this movie absolutely. is absolutely, absolutely, um, and and it is great in every in every facet of it. Um, I actually wanted to. Make sure to shout out, you know, we, we spoke very highly of Carl Franklin and his work as a director on here. Yeah. I also wanted to point out Tak Fijimoto, who's the uh, cinematographer. Yes. On this film. I'm glad I forgot. Yes, absolutely. Because, you know, like the sets are, are marvelous. They, 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 they're, like I said, it's time travel. It takes you back. Yeah. There. And you got to remember, this is 1995. This is the days before blue screens. You know, green screen. That is a really, really good and point. Creating yeah. like the backdrops. Yeah, no, these this are is sets. actually sets. Yeah, and locations. Locations. Yeah. Um, but then in his cinematography, that also helps just set you in that tone. Yeah. In that oh, place, yeah. and it fe- and it feels like all the great new- noirs with like like deadly you know deadly shadows and secrets around every corner and stuff like that um and he is and and lest you think that tak fujimoto is not a name to be reckoned with just a couple of names uh, films under his belt along with devil in the blue dress who's cinematographer on um silence of the lambs okay gladiator philadelphia oh okay that thing you do um, a surprisingly entertaining film. Uh, he also worked um, a couple of times with um, uh, M. Night Shyamalan on The Sixth Sense and Signs. And you know what else he worked on, Vince? Lethal Weapon 2. Beloved. Oh, well, there you go. There you go. I mean, it's it's a be- this is a beautiful film. Yeah. There is a shot towards the end where, I mean, you know, we're, we're just spoiling everything like I spoiled the Jennifer Beals' passing part. When Tom Sizemore's character dies in front of the car oh, yes. in the headlight yes. and Easy and Mouse, Mouse are standing over him, mm-hmm. I actually wrote in my notes, I want that on a post. I mean, the shot is so beautiful. Yes. And like you said, it is noir in the best sense of the word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not only is the shot the shot itself, the composition of it, beautiful. The direction of it is perfect. Because when you when that scene begins, there's music. The music stops yeah. about a quarter of the way in. And then the scene holds. Yeah. And you're just there. And they watch him die. Watching and watching this man die. It's just magnificent. Yeah, I, yeah I'm glad you pointed that out. Yeah. That was because it was, and again, this is towards the end of the film after you've had an entire film 
of these kinds of shots Mm -hmm. and these kinds of scenes. So for it to be that striking after, you know, arguably you've gotten used to this level of mastery says a lot about it. Yeah, man. That, that, that's why I, you know, price tag be damned. Yeah. The crime is that there is not uh, a sequel to this. Yeah. And, and look, Denzel, he did the Equalizer 2. So, you know, you've already broke your sequel <laughs> cherry. Well, and you made a bazillion gazillion dollars. So let's let's get back to easy hey i would love it like i said i would love almost an unforgiven type treatment like you said of these characters he's made a trillion dollars don Cheadle, i love don Cheadle, but he's he stole marvel money for the last few years <laughs> so uh come on it's time like 1972 south central la Easy Rollins and Mouse back in the saddle. Oh, my God. I, I will be there in a heartbeat. Yeah. I will be there in a heartbeat. So, you know, this is our second noir film. Is it? I mean, if you include Rage in Harlem in that tradition. <laughs> Rage in Harlem's not well, noir. Well, it's not noir. I'm sorry. Mm. It's, uh, the film that kind of uses the language of noir to a certain extent. And I'm speaking specifically of the femme fatale. Okay. And I do think, again, part of it is the femme fatale is mysterious. Mm -hmm. But if there is one thing that it did frustrate me in this film, that, well, frustrate is strong. I just wanted more of Jennifer Beals and more of Lisa Nicole Carson. I mean, even with Lisa Nicole Carson's death, as you said, it cast the shadow. Mm. over the rest of the film but they're such interesting characters they are interesting characters such interesting characters you couldn't have more lisa nicole carson because if you had more lisa nicole carson you wouldn't have been paying attention to jennifer beals right 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 also you fool around she would have taken over the film look she took over the film the second she cracks a smile yeah she took over I mean, I love the detail. Easy says, like, Easy's supposed to be getting information from her. And he says, she got as much information from me mm-hmm. as I got from her. Exactly. Yeah. There's a thing, something about Jennifer Beals I wanted to mention, bring up to you. And tell me if you agree with this. I have gotten the sense since uh, about Jennifer Beale. You know, her filmography is not super long. No, it's not. You know what I mean? But she, you know, she flashed onto this, uh, to the, into to the headlights in Flashdance back yes. in the 80s. What a feeling. And then she, um, you know, she's been been in a small part, you know. Yeah, here and there. Here and there. Yeah, she hasn't done a whole lot. A whole lot, but 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 she's always been like this, like this, uh, like this, I don't know, for some reason she's always struck me as like this, this, this siren that mm-hmm. calls out to, to, to to Hollywood or to men, I guess. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, I would say to men, and the, the few who who there's a few women who seem to have that quality, mm-hmm. at least from what I can from what I can gather. Like uh, Jennifer Beale, uh, you mentioned Lisa Bonet. She's another one. Yeah, Erica Badu. Yeah, they've they've got this. There's some kind of like you know. Siren call 
that they that they have a and there's quality a coolness. Yeah. And they kind of keep you at a distance. Yeah, is, is, so so I am reading that yeah, right. I, you yeah, agree I with agree. That? I agree. Yeah. I wish I like Jennifer Beals in the past 10 years or so. Like she showed up in stuff. Yeah, in you the L words, in the L word and you see her there and, there and I like a little bit older Jennifer Beals. Right. Cuz like, I liked her in um, Book of Eli. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So um I agree. No, okay. I I, agree. I, I, I always got that sense. And I, I agree. Never... And I like Jennifer Bills. And, you know, let me be clear. I still maintain that her secretly passing doesn't really pass my smell test. <laughs> but that's no mark against her performance at all. No. No, yeah, I, even though a few some critics thought that her performance was a little wooden, I actually thought she was okay. I thought so I don't. I, you said she's not given much. To she's do. not given much to do, and again, she's the femme fatale. Yeah, yeah. And and you, you know, I think the scenes between her and Easy are fantastic. I think they're nice. I think there was actually a smart edit by Carl Franklin. They filmed a love scene between them that apparently was pretty steamy from what I understand. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's one in the book. But yeah. he cut it from the film and, I, and because he th- he thought that it, it wasn't necessary to, to move the story along. Right. And I like that because if that love scene was there, I don't know where it would have fit in, then you don't get the scene where she tries to come on to him. Exactly. And he resists. Exactly. And I like that. Because that, that was another thing about Denzel's performance that I really, really admired. Is that you could feel his frustration building in the movie. Yeah. Oh, as, yeah. As everybody just started playing him and giving him running him around the the, the 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 corner and running around in circles and all that you felt his his frustration and his anger just pop, just like percolating and he just won't pay his mortgage and that's all he won't do he just won't pay his mortgage and plant his trees Damn. and lives this this film also has the the last line we haven't talked about the voiceover which sort of like I I was joking a few episodes ago about how I talk about how much I'm not a Jada Pinkett fan, but we keep watching stuff that I like Jada Pinkett in. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a voiceover fan, but we keep doing stuff that I like the voiceover in this film. I like the voiceover in this one. And I like the voiceover in this film, and it adds to the warmth. But the last line of this uh, in this film where where Denzel goes and he plays dominoes Mm -hmm. with his friend, and he says, We, you know, and I played with my friend on my porch. In my house, and we laughed a long time. Yeah, and then the film goes off. Yeah, and it's 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 just amazing, you know. Good, good stuff. Yes, yeah. So, would you recommend Devil in a Blue Dress? Wholeheartedly. Yeah, yeah. Me too. Wholeheartedly. This, I, look, me too. This this is on every. This should be must viewing for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. It really should be. Yeah, yeah. And 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 it should be taught in classes. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know, and again, Carl Franklin, one false move again, one of my favorite he made another film with Denzel a few years after. Oh, was this. that out of time? Is that is it out of time? Yeah, out of time. Which I don't have a lot of memory of. Nobody does. Like I remember watching it and saying it was okay. I might want to revisit it actually. Mm. 
And then Carl Franklin has made some other stuff that is that have you know didn't really do anything for him. And then he's done a lot of TV. He's done a lot of TV. Yeah, but when he when he hits, he hits. Yeah, when he hits, he hits. Yeah, he's, he's and he's very selective about what yeah. he does. So um, I would absolutely recommend Devil in a Blue Dress. Absolutely, and 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 Don Cheadle, and Don Cheadle. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Before we tell you what we're going to, what gift we're going to give you next week that keeps on giving, we invite you to hit us up with all of your feedback, your emails, and, and like and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Me Show Mission. You can email us at Me Show Mission at gmail.com. That is Me Show after Oscar Me Show, and that's spelled M I C H E A U X. Please hit us up. As you can tell, we love going through our feedback. We love reading our emails and and going to iTunes or on the podcast catcher of your choice and reading all of your fee- feedback. MC Picket Fence, I see you. Leave a comment on almost every show that you listen to on SoundCloud. I see you. I'm glad you're enjoying the show. Hey, um, what's up, MC Picket Fence? So, um, so hit us up, ladies and gentlemen. That is that's that's like really. Uh, the funnest part of doing this is like just having a conversation yeah. with all of you. you yeah, I mean? it really is. Yeah, it's really dope. Um, Okie doke. The show will be available in the morning on MeshowMission.com as well as on the Podglomerate podcast network of curated podcasts just for you. It'll be available as a radio show on Saturday in an edited form uh, as a radio show on Saturday at 1 p.m. on WPPM LP 106.5 FM Philly Cam People Power Media here in Philadelphia and you can spend your Monday mornings with Me Show as the Me Show mission airs on 91.7 WKDU FM here in the City of Brotherly Love and Sisterly Affection, WKDU, the voice of Drexel University. All right. Next week, Vince. All right. Here on the Me Show Mission as the uh as a gift that keeps on giving. You know, I was looking, you know, you, we said we were going to select from the missionaries, the yes, people yes. that they suggested. And Rojo. Hey, what's up, Rojo? Amongst the many that she su- suggested. Yes. And she suggested quite a few. Yes. She filled up a few rows on the post. But she she suggested one Helen Martin. Oh. Now, Helen Martin Interesting. is primarily known from television yeah shows. that's right 227 no 227 and 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 in good times good times she was weeping uh wanda weeping wanda um but, so and she said like bit roles on yeah on, like, everything on television yeah so her scenes her her times that she shows up in movies are few and far between actually however she has a fairly prominent role in a film that proved another launch pad for a historic name in black Hollywood and a film that is pilfered with many more of those 
actors who are gifts that keep on giving, one of whom is, I believe, the co-lead and a big favorite of yours, Vince. So next week, we will be watching Helen Martin in the role of Bobby's grandmother (gasps) from 1987 (gasps) satirical comedy, Hollywood Shuffle. We are doing Hollywood Shuffle next week? Hollywood Shuffle. Winky Dinky Hoe Cakes. <laughs> yes. Winky Dinky Doll. We are doing Hollywood Shuffle next week. The film that was written and uh, directed by Robert Townsend with a writer assist. I was by about to say Keenan Ivory, Ivory Wayans. That's right. Stars Robert uh, Robert Townsend. Wow. And do you know who his co-lead is? Another big uh, somebody else whom you are a big fan of. I mean. I mean, who else? I mean, I, I just quoted him. Um, what's his name? Bang, bang, bang. John Witherspoon. Um, oh, and um, Anne Marie. Anne Marie Johnson. Johnson. I'm so excited! I can barely talk. <laughs> I can see. I that. can barely talk. <laughs> Do you know how often a black person? does some dumb stuff and then somebody says something 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 basically they did it for money or it was for work and then i say there's work at the post office (laughs) i have been dismissing black foolishness you said this 87 87 for 30 years i have dismissed Black foolishness with the phrase, there's work at the post office. I guarantee you in the past two weeks, some black person has done something stupid. Someone has defended it by saying, well, you know, people got to eat and this and that. And I've said, there's work at the post office. (laughs) I'm so glad you chose this because I don't know if I would have ever chosen this because it's like, it's like one of the. It's like one of those films that I I just get paralyzed. Like I want to pick it, and then I'm like, oh, we can't do Hollywood Shuffle. We got to do like other stuff. <laughs> oh man, black acting school. If you haven't seen Hollywood Shuffle again, you're welcome. Yeah, check it out. You. This is a film that you definitely want to see before you listen to the review. Um, <laughs> hey, it's actually a version of us in it. Remember the two dudes? The two dudes review me. Oh, you're right. <laughs> it's like a version of us in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, that's right. That's right. Oh, well. Well, if you want to see Vincent Lynn <laughs> satirized <laughs> like nobody's business. Oh, boy. <laughs> that is right. Yeah, I forgot about that. It's been a minute since I've seen this movie. Oh, I love this movie so much. This will be fun. This will be fun. That's next week, ladies and gentlemen. I feel bad. I feel like we're giving ourselves gifts. Well, hey, yes. (laughs) It's the least we could do. My wife always gets frustrated with me. Like when we go Christmas shopping, she always says I always end up looking for stuff for myself. That's what happened. You know, I, I was looking at. I have. I have no reason to be doing this. I was looking at uh, Batman watches today. Batman watches. I, I have a Batman watch. You have a Batman watch, but it's, you know, it's better than a Batman watch. 
well, two Batman watches. I know. Well, I'm already bought myself a Batman wallet. <laughs> I've always wanted one of those metal cigarette cases. Yeah, 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 yeah. People yeah. have those wallets. Right, right, so right. So I ordered like, one that's got like uh, it's got the copy of the Batman '66 movie poster on it. Oh wow, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a little my Christmas gift. Your to Christmas me. gift to yourself. It's, it's twelve dollars. Hey man, I'm not that. Yeah. So next week, Harlem Shuffle. Yeah. Hollywood Shuffle. Hollywood Shuffle. Hollywood. Hollywood Shuffle. Hollywood Shuffle by Robert Townsend. By Robert Townsend. Starring. Helen Martin. We're, yes, yes. We'll be focusing on Helen From Martin. From Rojo's suggestion. Yes, yes. All right. That'll be here on the Misho mission, ladies and gentlemen. All right. All right. Until then, he's Vince. I'm Len. In parting, we say. We'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.